Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Pete is tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. All right. What is going on? Welcome to Cannell and Bell live from the PGA Championship at Beth Page Black. Having a great week out here. Capping it off today. A big show to get to. We had the Warriors-Blazers game last night. We're going to recap that. Patrick Peterson is suspended for six games by uh, the NFL. What impact that could have on the Arizona Cardinals? We're getting a little PED discussion. But we got our guy Mark Immelman because we – Raja and I every day have been on Mark, and we've tried to break down some golf, and we are – we're, I would say we're avid golfers, but we really don't know what we're having, what we're talking about when we talk about this course and this type of play. But you do, being our CBS Sports Golf analyst. So, your, give me your overall summary of yesterday with Brooks Kepka shooting the 63 course record. What were your overall impressions of a course that was supposed to be the story, how tough it was, and him making it look easy? Well, truth, uh, honestly, before we go anywhere about the course, this is like the thrill of my week to be in between you two guys over here. It's, no, it's been a great week, all jokes aside. Um, Brooks yesterday, Danny Lee aside, okay, with all sorts of respect to him, Brooks to me was the outlier. I think the course is still the story. If you look at the average scores yesterday, it was playing significantly and over par when I last checked. The average score was around three over, which is 73. Brooks ties the course record. Now, was he planning on that sort of stuff? I think not. Did he come out with a conservative sort of a game plan and was able to notch up a few birdies and, and make no bogeys? That was cool. The way he put together the round, though, was, was incredible to me. He starts on 10, which is by far and away the more demanding side in the two. He birdies 10, he birdies 12, gets off to a flyer, and from there sort of plays conservatively, hits the ball on the green in the right spot, makes a few long bombs, and it was almost clinical. It was almost Tiger Woods in Tiger Woods' heyday. You know, Tiger never forced the issue too much. Brooks just played it as it came to him, and it was a master class. And as I say, I think it was the outlier, and I'd be surprised if we see another 63. Yeah, that's interesting because we followed them. For, I followed them for most of the afternoon, and it didn't feel like he was shooting a 63, but I must have caught him after the fireworks where he was just kind of plodding along. We, we talked a minute ago about the dynamic that Tiger and Brooks might have, and, and that was something of interest to you. So talk to me about that, because everyone's written Tiger off this morning after Brooks shooting the course record. What, what are your feelings about it? Well, here's my mere culpa. Um, I didn't write Tiger off last year, but I didn't see Tiger winning again, let alone a major championship. Well, lo and behold, he does, because he's Tiger Woods, and somehow he hides the cape underneath that red shirt somewhere. Um, but Tiger playing alongside Brooks today, I think is a good thing for him, because... His entire career, he's had goals. He's had, as a kid, he had the picture of Jack Nicholas on the wall in the room, apparently. And so he aspired to Nicholas in the 18 victories. Now there's Sam Snead and overtaking Snead with the 82. So he's got Brooks in the group, in his sights. And so he's effectively, if this is a race, looking at the leader. And Tiger is the master at a four-round tournament. You don't assemble the career that he has if you don't know how to put together tournaments. So he sees Brooks... Just one at a time. If you just clip off one and then another and then another and at day's end, you fall back, five back, then it's game on Come into the weekend. Because with this golf course, as you guys know, peril, disaster waits around every shot. I mean, if you don't have your wits about you and you hit just one loose one, it could turn into a double bogey or worse. 
So Danny Lee, who had the 64 yesterday, had an incredible round, is off to a disastrous start. He was six over today on his round early. I mean, it was through six or seven holes. He had a couple double bogeys up there. We've seen some other big numbers. Roy McIlroy is having a rough struggle this morning as well. If you're Brooks Kepka and you have this fourth-shot lead starting the day, you coming back from the course record, do you think his mindset, does he get a little more conservative? How does he manage the day with that type of lead? And it's only Friday. He's got a lot more golf left to play. Danny, that's a really good question. And if I know Brooks, again, this guy's won three major championships in a very short space of time. He knows what he's doing, and I don't think the game plan changes. Um, it's not like you've got this big lead and now you suddenly sit on it. I feel like if this was Sunday, perhaps the game plan may change and you've got this big lead he currently does. So you go out there, you play the course on the merits. He and his caddy, Ricky, I'm sure they've gone through the whole locations. They know what's up. They've seen some of the scores. They know how it's playing tough again. So you go to your strategy. You stick with a game plan. If you get into trouble, you just minimize error. Don't compound errors right now because, obviously, if he just holds tight at seven, that could still be enough. But I don't think you drop the anchor and you you, you sort of let it come to you. I still think you... You stick to your plan. So we talk Brooks. You talk Tiger. Uh, give me a name or two that are hanging around somewhere in the mix that you feel confident could be in the conversation uh, later this weekend. Oh, easy. Tommy Fleetwood played really well at the U.S. Open Shinnecock Hills last year. Shot 63, I believe it was there. He's a big game hunter. I mean, he is a beautiful ball striker. He's as reliable as anyone off the tee. We saw him in the Ryder Cup last year. I mean, this guy is not afraid of the situation. He's had the luxury, and I use the term luxury, of going through a real slump in his career where he kind of lost the golf swing some. He reconnected with his longtime childhood coach and climbed his way up the ladder to the top of the game. So he's been high, he's been low, he's back high again, and this guy, he'll... He will hang around. I feel like if Brooks, if you stay in front of Tommy Fleetwood, I feel like you're okay. So Brooks Kepka might have one of his best buddies actually giving him a run for his money. So he bogeyed the first hole he played today. Then he had five birdies. He is at four under. Is that what he's at? Four under? DJ? Three shots behind uh, of Brooks Kepka. So he's having a day so far. Um, when you look at the course, the way it's set up, do you think that the seven under bothers the PGA? Like, do you think they'll speed up the greens to make sure another round like that doesn't happen? Like, are they, does that, you know what I'm saying? Like, cause I know sometimes they want to say, Hey, this, this, this course takes a lot of pride in being the toughest course in America. Do you think they'll speed up the greens? Cause it sure looks that way. Although DJ's having a day out there, but some of these guys are really struggling. Um, I don't think, and in respect to Kerry Haig, I think he's one of the best golf course setup guys in the business. I don't think they're going to change the golf course. The one thing about the PGA, they're fine with 23 under. They're fine with 10 under. It's like low score wins. It's more the USGA that sort of try and protect par. We know at Augusta National, they let the guys play and they'll let you have days and other days it'll be set up harder. Um, I think here at the PGA, they're like, we know Bethpage Black is tough. With some sunshine out and a little bit of breeze, the greens will firm up. Uh, the golf course will play a little faster, which will bring the rough into play. So it'll place added premium on driving the ball in the fairway. So I don't think they're going to change very much. It's not like they, they, they're taking water off the greens. They're just going to let the place play. And, and I feel like the golf course will hold its own. So a name we talked about coming in, I don't think either one of us had a whole lot of confidence this week, uh, Jordan Spieth. Now, he's probably not going to be a factor uh, down the stretch today, but 
I'm interested in him because just a few years ago, he was taking the golf landscape by, score, by storm. Everybody thought he was the, the next great thing. Talk to me about like what you see going on with him. Is it, it, up top, maybe even mentally? Is it is it a block? Well, it's so tough. You guys have played sport at the highest level, and you know the value of confidence, and you know the value of momentum. There's nothing like confidence with the high level athletes. And Jordan, he's battled swing technique. We all know that. Uh, everyone made a big deal about the putting. I felt I felt like. He was having to lean on his putter too much because the driving wasn't there, and so it put more pressure on it. It's kind of like the guy going to the free throw line, and he has to make the shot sort of deal, so it becomes a thing. Um, he's battling some swing adjustments. He has referenced this with his coach, Cameron McCormick, um, and he seems to be making inroads. Like he played well at Dallas last week, had a bad final day with a driver. This golf course, though, is not going to let you get away with an errant driver. I'm, I'm sorry it's just not happening. So for Spieth, he's going to have to do yeoman's work to be a factor. And I, I think he's still hitting the ball really good because I thought I saw a stat last week. He might have led the field in birdies, but he has these big numbers, which is kind of like he's playing today. He has two birdies and two bogeys. So he's been able to score. He just is kind of the consistency is not there. Um, Tiger had a similar type of up and down day, and it looked like some of his wedge play was struggling. Would you chalk that up to Rust for not having played five weeks? There's rumors maybe he was battling an illness. Like, is there anything you would look at Tiger's game and say that's what he needs to fix, or do you think it's just him kind of getting back into playing shape? Tiger has been a notoriously slow starter. He always lets golf tournaments build. And he will just run you down eventually. He knows over four rounds he's likely to catch you. Um, so I wasn't too concerned with the two-over-par round yesterday. He missed a few wedges that were um, uncharacteristic. I don't think it was rust. Uh, I, I think he's well dialed in. I, for me, it was the, the errors he made on the greens. There were one or two putts that got away from him from like the four or five-foot range that you knock those down and all of a sudden he's even par one under. But he showed a spark. I mean, there were signs of good things happening. It was the rough start. He rebounded, got it into the red numbers, and then didn't finish so well with two late bogeys. So I'm not that concerned. You know, again, you just clip one or two off Brooks's lead, and he's right in the mix. Is there anything else for you personally this weekend that you're looking forward to or you're keeping an eye on as this tournament starts to unfold? I, I'm looking forward to the New York fans over the weekend. I mean, they love Phil Mickelson. They, you guys know, they love you over here. If you're honest and you forthright and you play good golf and you hit good shots, whatever, you throw good passes, they're going to love you. If you don't play very well, they're going to let you know about it. So I think with some good weather forecast, uh, a dynamite leaderboard, I, I think the crowds are going to play a real part in this thing. When you see, so another fan favorite who's been out there, and it probably was because the pants he was wearing, because he had on New York Yankees logos all over his pants, on his wild pants was John Daly, <laughs> who gets to ride the cart. I mean, people were, you know, hey, can I get a ride? Uh, somebody said, you better watch out, make sure you don't get a DUI. They were asking him for cigarettes, like having, but he, he like loves that type of interaction. It was a controversial decision that they let him play. He's at eight over currently on the tournament, probably not going to make the, uh, the cut. Tiger said, hey, when I, I wasn't allowed to wear uh, to use a cart when I had a broken leg, referencing that 2008 U.S. Open. Um, what do you make of John Daly being able to play in the tournament? Well, he's a PGA champion. You know, there was a famous victory back at Crooked Stick back in the day. Um, you know, I, I don't really have too many thoughts on that. If I was a player, who knows where I would be. So the PGA obviously thought about this. They obviously considered all of the factors at play, and, and they made the decision. So you have to respect the PGA for their decision. 
albeit, you know, the fact that it might have rubbed some folks up the wrong way. Who are you taking, Brooks or the field? Whew, that's a good question. <laughs> Ordinarily, I would go with the field, but Brooks is cutting an ominous figure right now. I, I watched him play in Dallas. I called him in Dallas. I caught up with him down in New Orleans a few weeks ago, and the last time I'd seen him down there, he was just coming off that wrist injury. And uh, first week back, and so I said to him a few weeks ago, I was like, wow, man, last time I saw you down in this place, you were just coming back. And he smiled. He goes, oh, what a difference a year makes. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, he is just playing superb golf right now, and he seems to have it all figured out mentally. So I'm going to go with Brooks. Awesome. Great stuff. Mark Immelman, make sure you check him out on CBS Sports Network. You can check him out on right here on CBS Sports HQ all throughout the weekend. Fantastic stuff as always. Appreciate it. We love getting you on. Anytime you want to come on, you're more than welcome. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell, live from the PGA Championship here at Bethpage Black at Bethpage State Park. So last night, we saw John Wick 3. We're going to get that maybe in the D block. At the end of the show, we'll give you a rundown of that one. But we get in the car after the movie. We went to the early movie. We get in the car. Warriors are losing. Get back to the hotel. It's halftime. It's smoked. Down 15 at halftime. And some, I mean, this is, this is such a war. It's a game of runs and there's nobody better at making those runs than the Golden State Warriors. All of a sudden, next thing you know, it's tied up. Then late in the game, it's kind of back and forth. It's a great game, like going back and forth. Portland had a chance at the end. Um, Andre Iguodala, uh, strips Dame Lillard, uh, at the end of the game, seals the win for them. But this has got to be devastating for Portland to have that type of chance to steal one on the road, to tie it up. And even Steve Kerr admitted after was like, hey, man, we, we stole a game right there. And you usually don't say that at home. Usually you say it on the road. Yep. How devastating do you think this will be for Portland? Uh, really devastating. It's a, I, it's kind of like Toronto letting that game one slip away in Milwaukee. You have to feel like, um, that was your opportunity in the series, and they don't come along a lot. Uh, you know, Golden State's interesting because without Kevin Durant, they are a very streaky team. When you're hanging your hat on Steph and Clay or shooting the ball from, you know, 25 feet, that, that, that's a streaky thing. So even if you go up 15 against them, you know, they weren't shooting well. You had to know there was a run coming with a team like Golden State. And I feel like as I was watching it, Portland's energy just started to – take a step back, right? They weren't as dialed in uh, to those assignments when guys were coming off the of screens and, you know, trapping staff and guys were slipping back door behind them and they just lost focus at the wheel for a split second. 
And coming out of one of those timeouts, Golden State, the energy level was just off the charts. And before you knew it, you know, you had a ball game. And at that point, you had to know, you know even though Portland tried to stay in it, you, you had to feel like Golden State was going to pull away. All right, talk to you. are our, our resident ref expert. You can give him a hard time. <laughs> You're going to call it like it is. Yeah. So Damian Lillard was asked about the strip at the end of the game. I thought the strip was clean. There was some contact right before the strip when Andre Iguodala was, you know, was defending him so closely. Right. Lillard said of the final play, it's a tough position for the refs to be in to make a call like at that point in the game. I felt like there was contact, a lot of contact. I didn't. I thought the, the strip was totally clean. Yes. It was all ball. Yeah, that was not. There was not enough contact. Before there. there was a little bit. There was like if you watch it in slow motion. There's some arms crossing a little bit, but the strip of the ball was a hundred percent clean. Yeah, when he on that position, he bobbles the ball first, right? That was the contact that you could or or may not call. They had a foul. They had a foul to give. They gave the foul. And then the, the commentators, Mark Jackson, and them were speculating whether they would just put him on the free throw line and not allow him to shoot a two. So in that situation, if you're Andre Iguodala, you got nothing to lose. Right. Right? Just make sure you don't do it in a shooting motion. So he was up. He was really aggressive on the ball. But to his credit, he played it. He played cat and mouse with the ref. He didn't just come out and just straight foul him. He kind of just took an aggressive swipe at the ball. They didn't call it. And then when he loses it and tries to go up, the strip is clean. I think if I was reading that situation, Damian Lillard was frustrated from a few plays before that. He had just gotten a foul on Steph Curry, kind of shooting a three. The time before, he kind of threw himself to the ground shooting a three. He didn't get that call. So I think it was like a cumulative thing for them. But the refs, I thought, did a good job, and it's been there. You know, they've done it throughout the playoffs. They've been swallowing that whistle late in some of these games. They've really been letting these guys play, and I thought they were consistent last night. I thought Portland choked a little bit. I did. I mean, I thought they had the lead at halftime. It's really tough to play that role of underdog on the road and to be sitting on that lead for an entire half. When they came out in the third quarter, I think you get a little bit tentative. I think it impacts the way you play. Yeah. I thought they looked a little frenetic. There were some really sloppy possessions out there. But for a series that was billed as possibly the best backcourts going toe-to-toe with Steph and Clay against Dame and CJ, it's been pretty dominated by the Splash Brothers because last night, again, Dame Lillard only 23, CJ McCollum 22, and they were okay, but when you're playing against those dudes, Steph drops 37 on you, like right. you've got to respond with your best performances of the season, especially if you want to win. All right, so we've talked about some of these other series, and it's always been relax. Series really hasn't started yet until you lose one at home. Do you feel the same way about Portland saying, all right, it's it's bad. They lost. They cost them there. They're down 2-0, but now they go back to Portland? Or are you yeah. thinking this thing could be quick, maybe five-game series? No, I mean, well, it could be quick, maybe five games. Like, from a, from an outside-looking-in perspective, could be, yeah. You know, but I do need to see what happens in Portland. But if you're the Blazers, you know, I, I keep saying this over and over again. We took two good swings at it. Um, we were right there through three quarters in game one on short rest um, in an emotional game seven in Denver. Fatigue was going to play a part. At some point, we're probably going to fall apart, and that game chalked that up. We had a golden opportunity, and while I feel like we may have let our opportunity slip away, we still have a chance to go home and hold serve. If we do that, we're, we're right where we want to be. So I don't, if I'm a blazer, I don't feel terrible. You know, I feel like I let one slip, but we could go home, hold serve, and it's 2-2 coming back to Golden State. Um, they just have to do a better job, again, of figuring out what the recipe for Steph Curry is. The, Golden State has one for Damian Lillard. It's to trap him up high when he's in pick and roll. I thought the Blazers did a pretty good job of of, of uh, running some quick action and getting him in transition, but they'll even double him if it's not pick and roll. They're sending two guys at Damian Lillard in any ISO situation. They're going to make the other players beat them, and they're rolling the dice that those guys aren't going to be able to do it You know, over the course of a whole game and a whole series. And I don't believe that Portland has done that to Steph. They're letting him run around. They're letting him basically shoot the shots that he wants to shoot. He, yes, he probably has a better supporting cast, but I am going to live with Draymond Green, Andre Iguodala, 
uh, um, you know, whoever else, McKinney, all of right. them, beat me, please. I'm not going to let Steph Curry beat me if I can do something about it. Uh, so it was a fun game, back and forth. You had the big comeback from the Warriors, but I don't think anybody enjoyed it more than Mr. and Mrs. Curry. Del Curry and his wife were watching their boys go at it. I still contend they are in a win-win situation. Everybody's like, oh, how stressful would it be? I think you cannot go wrong. Steph, of course, went off, but Seth actually had a pretty decent game, too. He was 16. Uh, Steph had 37, but, I mean, he's Steph. He's yes, a former yes, MVP. Yes, yes. Seth had a pretty good game, though, 16, 5 to 9 from the field, 4 of 7 from the threes, and he stole the ball from Steph four times. I thought it was great. The, like the, the mom and dad were up there laughing like and cheering and, and really enjoying the game. Steph said this was like the coolest experience thing I've ever had playing against him. You talk about the stage. He was amazing tonight for my parents. I know we've talked about it a lot the whole series. These last two games is probably nerve-wracking as heck for them. It worked out perfectly tonight. He played well and we won. I'm telling you, I think they need Seth to have well the better series because he needs, right? That's, a, that's the best game scenario for, uh, for Steph. But I'm telling you, for the parents, Steph's already taken care of. He's already got the private jet. He's already got all that. Seth could use a little love. No, dude. Steph <laughs> is the golden ticket, man. He has to win. That, that's one of those where he, he said it perfectly. Let Seth get off. Like, everyone's happy if Seth gets off and Portland loses, right? You know, another championship in the family with Golden State. <laughs> the Golden ticket keeps rolling, and Seth is playing good, like, furthering his brand and his opportunity. And I did think it was, you know, Curry's aside, they need a Seth Curry. They need a uh, Al Farouk Amino. They need an Evan an Evan Turner to step up and be a player. And, not and I, I mean, I don't mean to take anything away from them, but, but not a – you know, not an auxiliary piece, but a focal point. And because some of those guys have the ability to do it, especially Evan Turner. He can create offense for you. And in a scenario where they're going to take Damian Lillard away and they're going to do their best uh, to challenge what C.J. McCollum is allowed to do, other guys have to be primary ball handlers and facilitators. So, you know, the trap comes. I get rid of it. I kick it to Danny. Danny's normal role isn't to facilitate offense, but that's what he has to do now. And so they've got to find themselves in that space as a team and as, as a rotation of of, uh, of uh, supplemental players. Someone's got to take the reins and do that. And I thought Seth tried last night. Um, the question is whether he can get some other guys to do it with him. Then they got to stop trapping Dame Lillard, and he can get back to doing Dame Lillard things. All right, I don't have a brother. I have three older sisters. But if I did... I think I would prefer him on another team as opposed to my teammate. Why? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I think having a teammate could be tough, like, especially if you're playing the same position, like, you're going to be competing for shots. Right. I'd want to kind of have him set up his own thing, have success somewhere else. What would you rather have? It's a good question. I think I'd rather be teammates. Um, I would, in a perfect world, yeah. it'd be great to experience and you, both. And you're both stars. Like, yeah, it, it, it gets, it <laughs> yeah if it was like the Splash Brothers and right. they were actually related, right. that would be pretty insane. Yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a brother either. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I think I'd want to be teammates, but I could see your, your point of, of being on other teams and not being pressured to live up. You know, one of you is playing well, one of you is not playing well, and, and, you know, there are a lot of family dynamics that go into that. I what still, about your brother-in-law? Cause Damian Lee is Steph's brother-in-law. Damian Lee is Steph's yeah, brother-in-law. Yeah, I didn't know that. Coca just told me that. I didn't That's know pretty that nuts. I don't like any of my brother-in-law, so we're going to... No. <laughs> you better hope they don't listen to the no, podcast, they're my dudes. then. They're my golfing buddies, man. They're my guys. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I think that'd be pretty cool. So, uh, Kevin Durant, the, uh, the calf is still an issue. Uh, he has... The reports are now that it's actually not going to be sooner. It's probably going to be later. It's going to be deferred. It doesn't seem like it's going to matter. What's oh, the approach matter. if you're Golden State? In this series, think it'll no, matter? Not this series. So no. then... Is it just totally like count on him for the for the finals? You can't count on him for the finals. When you feel, I said it when it happened. When you feel that pop, and he felt the pop, that's why you look yeah. back to see what happened to you. That's not a great. That's not a great one. 
That's something deeper than that. And, and when you start dealing with that calf, it just doesn't res- it doesn't respond like that. If there's too much force and pressure that you're putting on that, you know, every night playing basketball. Um, and so I, I, I don't know that he will be ready for the playoffs. I think they're still playing it really coy. They're still trying to be, you know, very, very cautious about what they put out there and how people can prepare for them going forward. You've always got to wonder whether KD's back in the next few games. I think that they know KD's probably done for the season. I think KD knows that and they're just not telling anybody. Um, and if he does come back, if he's able to summon something, he will not be himself in, in, in the finals. I don't think it matters. In the finals either? I don't think it matters. I think this team has won without him. I think they play a better brand of basketball. It's what they originated as with right. their first championship. Uh, they're 29 and one in their last 30 games in which Curry plays and Durant does that's not. Incredible. That's insane. Um, uh, Steve Kerr said after the game, it's a little more serious than we thought at the very beginning. We'll see how that goes. Seth Curry was talking about it, Flying. said they move around faster when KD's not out there. Sure. They're definitely not a better team, but they're harder to guard, which Agreed. is an interesting dynamic in that one. Um, what is, like, let's assume it's Milwaukee in the finals. Why does it matter for KD to be back? Because they're a better team than Portland or because of Giannis? Is yeah, it the inside because, presence? Yeah, because the they're better than Portland. They've been the number one team in the league. They've lost one playoff game so far. People who don't believe in Milwaukee, need to. you need to stop at this point. They're for real. Uh, they can hang a huge number on you. Um, and in games like that, you do need a guy that can just – you can give the ball to and get buckets. They're long. They're I think they're number one in the league in terms of defensive efficiency. So all of that – all of those mistakes that are made against Portland um, and to some degree against Houston where, yeah, we're up, we're trying to take away Steph coming off a screen, they slip back door. You know, those are mediocre to bad defensive teams. Good defensive teams don't make those mistakes. That's why they're the best defensive team in the league. They don't fall asleep at the wheel in situations like that. So now you got to have dudes who can just go get it against their guy or, you know, create out a pick and roll. And in those two areas – Kevin Durant is is different than any other human being on the planet. I agree with Steph that they're harder to guard uh, when they're moving and flying around without him. But I think when you're playing the better defensive teams in the league, like when it boiled down to Cleveland playing them a few years ago when they were really good defensively, they can take that stuff away from you. And then you got to have a guy. Yeah. And having that guy as the insurance policy is going it, to – it's important at some point uh, when you play better teams, and I think it will be against uh, Milwaukee. I love the fact that Steph has stepped up his game, averaging 35.3 uh, points per game in the three-game absence so far. If he keeps up that pace, then it's no problem. Think about but you this, wonder if he cools off a little bit because he's been on fire. Think about the sacrifice that that guy's made over the last – Three years. Like you could he make doesn't it. get credit for that. He doesn't. People, like uh, it drove me nuts the, like, a week ago when people are saying, "Oh, Steph's not the same player in the playoffs." I'm like, he's not because he's giving. He's he basically is doing what D Wade did with LeBron. He handed him the keys and said, "You can be the guy. You can be sure. the alpha male. You can be the guy that carries this team. I'll keep playing my role." And I think that's a. Like, I don't think he's as. It's the game doesn't suit him that way. Like he's better when he's asked to do more. The difference for me is Dwayne Wade wasn't revolutionizing the game right. in the middle of that. Do you understand what yes, I mean? Yes. LeBron to some degree was. Steph Curry was revolutionizing basketball. And to some degree you can make an argument that we've been robbed of of that because KD joined the team and he was willing to take that step back, you know? And so I just wonder what that looks like, what the conversation is around Steph Curry. How many potential MVPs do you have at this point? If he's allowed to continue to do and, and clay to some degree what they what they were doing before Kevin Durant got there. So we're live at the PGA Championship uh, here at Beth Page uh, State Park. The course this morning is eating dudes up. Is it really? Uh, Rory McIlroy is putting up a big number. John Rahm is putting All up. All off we're the back talking, nine? 
Yeah, I believe so, which the back nine has been burying dudes. That was what Tiger struggled with yesterday when he had the double bogey on number 10. I think what's going to be fascinating, and I do think the PGA doesn't love the fact that you had a 63 and a 64 shot yesterday by Brooks Kepka and Danny Lee. Now, Danny Lee blew up today. He had a couple double bogeys early. He's already out of it. But I think the story today, if it was Brooks Kepka's round yesterday, I think it's going to be the cut line today, which could be as high as plus four or plus five if you still see all these numbers. And what's crazy, if you have guys like Rory, and John Rahm, who came in as probably top 10 favorites to win the tournament, not even making the cut and getting chewed up and spit out, that could be the storyline we're talking about tonight. Yeah, that's interesting. And it puts Tiger's round yesterday in, in a little bit yeah. more perspective, right? Like it wasn't as bad as maybe some people thought it was. It was just what the course was kind of playing to because, again, we followed it. It was like it was surreal. I told you, like that experience being inside the ropes and getting to follow that group. But I never got the sense that he was playing bad. He was, he was, he was pure in the driver. He was never in the rough. He, he missed on four a few five of, foot putts. Yeah, those like were hurting him. That's yep. what. That's where he struggled yesterday. Um, but again, didn't feel like he was giving anything away. He, he just wasn't super crisp. Um, and so I think when you see that number starting to move higher and higher, it puts a little bit, you know, it paints that first round for Tiger in a little better light. It's funny because we talked all week long about how the driver was going to be the most important club in the bag because it was going to be soft and wet. It is starting to dry out. I still think you have to be long, but I do think it's going to come back to what it usually does in majors is the putter. It is the flat, the flat stick because if Tiger does, let's say he just makes two of those four or five footers, he's at even par. Yeah, correct. And then all of a sudden he's right there. So I think that's going to be the storyline through the rest of the tournament. And I would not count out Tiger. I mean, what was the newspaper we saw out there? It was that, you know, I don't know which yeah, publication it was. But yeah, I'd, I'd say don't count him out yet. Now, he could go out and blow up like everybody else is, sure. but I would not count him out yet. It was fun getting beside, uh, inside the ropes yesterday. We were walking the course. We were following Brooks Kepka and Tiger Woods. And it was hilarious to me because, every you know, we'd walk right inside. We'd see a lot of these crowd coming by there. And you'd hear all of a sudden, Raja! Yeah. Rajah Bell! And I'm sitting there like, you, know, you got oh, some data canals. You got some data canals. Yeah, I don't know, not as many as the Rajah Bells that were out there, but it's yeah. funny. Like, people just yell your name. Like, I know, they're not yeah. even saying hello. They're just like yelling your name, like announcing to everybody that you're out there. It's kind of uncomfortable, right? I got, I got a lot of, what are you doing here? Like, what are you, <laughs> it is. I'm a golf you know, fan, right? My name is a weird name because, like, even my cousins, I have a, I have a generation of cousins that are, I don't know, 15 years younger than me. They're like six of them. So, when they were coming up, like, I was, I was playing in the NBA. None of them call me Raja. They call me Raja Bell. Like, they like to say the whole thing. <laughs> right, right. So, like, I, to your point about people just yelling the name, I don't know why my name does that, but people like to say the whole thing and yell it out. <laughs> right. Like, right. Definitely out. I think people like saying the first and last name in general. Maybe. It'd be cool if you were, like, Tiger or Zion or yeah. one of these LeBron. Like, right. if you become that one word famous, then you know That's you're dope. in another stratosphere. Uh, Dustin Johnson bogeyed 18, so he's now four shots back of Brooks Kepka. But it's going to be really fascinating. It's going to be fun to watch if Brooks Kepka fires another low number does he have a little bit of a setback like it seems like most of the rest of the field is uh as having out there but in any case we'll have you updated on it throughout on cbs sports hq all throughout the weekend hey golf fans pga championship week is here and cbs sports is bringing you coverage of the second major championship of the year that you can't find anywhere else canel and bell will be on site this week at beth page black and we'll be filling you in on all the biggest stories in the lead up to tee off and around the world of sports on Saturday and Sunday, you can watch the tournament live stream in the CBS Sports mobile app and on CBSSports.com, totally for free. You also got to check out CBS Sports HQ, the free streaming sports network that's on 24 hours a day, seven days a week, delivering you news, highlights, and in-depth analysis. Danny and I will be there with our golf expert, Kyle Porter, to bring you updates on the leaderboard, the pairings to watch, special guests, and of course, What's going on with Tiger Woods? So tune in to watch us on HQ every morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. It's all available for free with CBS Sports. 
You don't have to pay for a subscription or have a cable package. It's just free, for real. Download the CBS Sports app on your phone, Roku, Amazon, Fire TV, or Apple TV to start watching today. All right, welcome back to Canel and Bell. So Raja, he's an NBA guy, so we got to manage his minutes. We're going to let him take a little breather. But we got an expert in here to talk about some some golf for us. Colt knows, my man. We saw last night, met last night at the bar back at the hotel watching a little basketball. Uh, nobody better to ask about this event than a PGA Tour professional like yourself. Uh, the course has been a major topic of the conversation. I want to talk a little bit of golfers. I'm going to drill you about your Dallas Cowboys uh, a little bit later, too. But before we get to that, the course itself, Brooks Kepka tamed it yesterday, but it looks today like it's starting to sink its teeth in. Yeah, it's only going to get more difficult as the week goes on with this weather. You know, we finally have some good weather. It's drying it out. It's going to get much firmer. The rough's going to stay very, very deep. And it's going to test the players. Um, you can't fake it around this place. It tests every aspect of your game. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Tiger Woods, how would you assess his first round? He's sitting at two over. There was, Raja and I were just talking about this. There was, I forget what newspaper it was, but the headline said, you know, Tiger's reign comes to an end rather quickly. I still think with these numbers that are out there, like, you can't count them out yet. He just, I, I think you can't win a major on Thursday. I think you can lose it, but I would not classify yesterday as a loss for Tiger Woods. No, it was just kind of a roller coaster, honestly. He did a lot of great things and he did a lot of terrible things. I mean, making two double bogeys in a major championship is just is so tough and spotting a player like Brooks nine shots. He's got a uphill battle, but I mean, if the wind blows this afternoon like it's supposed to and he can get Brooks to, you know, shoot even par, maybe a couple over and he can get under par for the tournament, he's going to be right there. With a lead like Brooks has, do you think it changes his mindset at all, or is he still going to be as aggressive as he usually is? I, I don't think he changes his game plan one <laughs> bit. Like, I, It's just awesome to watch him play. I mean, he steps up on every hole and sends driver down there as far as he can, and um, his driver's a weapon, and I, I feel like that's the most important club in the bag this week. If you can drive it as long as he does and as straight as he is right now, he's going to be very tough to beat. Are people sleeping on Dustin Johnson because he's been off to a pretty hot uh, hot start today? I know he bogeyed 18, but he's just four shots back of Brooks. He's the type of player that could put together a round like Brooks did yesterday. Exactly. I mean, he's doing exactly what he needs to do right now. Um, he's got a hot round going, just needs to get it to the house. and. I mean, anything within five or six going into the weekend, I mean, it's it's going to be right there. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's do some NFL with you because I know you got a podcast. Pump your podcast. Yeah, it's called The Gravy and the Sleaze Show on Sirius XM. Uh, me and my buddy Drew Stoltz back home. Uh, it's been a ton of fun. Mondays, 3 to 4 Eastern uh, on PJ Tour Radio. Uh, it's been a blast. And you, guys, you and you guys hardly talk about any golf on there, right? You guys uh, we, are just telling stories and we, stuff? We kind of shadow <laughs> the golf, but mostly just more insight to what goes on out here and um, some behind-the-scenes stories. It's it's just a blast. We just right. joke around. So you live in Scottsdale, but you're from the Dallas area, so you're a monster Dallas Cowboys fan. You were giving me crap last night yep. about the New York Giants selecting Daniel Thank Jones, you. which we talked a lot about on our podcast that I did not love it. I think they over overdrafted him. Uh, but... You guys are going to be a predicament with Dak Prescott. Yeah. Jerry Jones has said he's our guy. The rumor number has been 30 mil. Are you backing up the truck for Dak Prescott and hitching your wagon to him for the foreseeable future? I don't know about 30 mil, but <laughs> I'm more in the 25, 20 to 25 ballpark. But right now, I, think, I just feel like he's the best option we got. There's no one to trade for. There's, you know, got two more years until the Clemson quarterback comes out. But, I mean, they can compete with Dak Prescott. I don't know if they'll win a Super Bowl. But right now, he's the best option we got, and I'm going to ride him. So Jason Witten comes back, which really we haven't talked about because it's been all the other storylines. Do you think he could be impactful after taking a year off in the booth and at his age? I mean, his play was starting to drop off a little bit, but he's still one of the better tight ends we've ever seen in the game. Do you think he's actually going to be a viable threat on the offensive side of the ball? I think he'll be more impactful in the locker room, kind of leading the younger guys and, you know, just um, 
being someone to look up to in there. But, I mean, he's still going to be, I think, a, th- a key on third downs and stuff. for Cal- I mean, he's still one of the greatest ever. He's probably lost a step or two, but, I mean, he's, his hands are as reliable as anybody's. Jason Garrett is the head coach in, t- let's, say, let's say the over-under is a year and a half. Are you taking the over or the under? Year and a half, probably over. Do so you think he survives? I think he survives. He'll get through this season, and then I think there's going to be a change within the next two, three years. Jerry's loyal, man, if, uh, and he's just—he's been close. He just can't get over that hump uh, yeah. to get to that next step. Uh, you live in Scottsdale. You play at the same club as Patrick Peterson, and Patrick Peterson yesterday was suspended by the NFL for PED use. It was a little bit unusual on a number of different levels. Uh, you're friendly with him. I'm friendly with him. It was the biggest surprise to me when I saw that. He's a classy dude. He's like your consummate professional. Uh, he's great with the media. He's great with charitable work. It would have been the last person you would have expected to have that. And usually it's a four-game suspension. It was six because supposedly there was a masking agent involved. I think this speaks to the bigger picture that in all professional sports, I think there's a lot that goes on. And I even, as a, when I was playing, I was pretty naive to it. I didn't see it happen. I never thought it did. But I think now with medicine, the advancements they've made, I think it's probably going on now more than it ever has, even though leagues are trying to test for it. Yeah, I would agree. Like you said, I mean, he's one of the last guys I thought it would have happened just knowing him. Um, I mean, I feel, I feel bad for him even though he did it to himself. Uh, but it's it's crazy. Like you said, you never know what's going on, whether it be – I mean, it could even be out here in golf, and we don't even know about it. We get drug tested randomly, but um, – do, do they test for HGH out here? Because it's really like – it's, it's – too expensive it's not just a urine test it's yeah. blood test so it's a lot more uh intrusive it's a lot more complicated so they really can't police some of these cutting edge drugs yeah. so they passed um last year that they can start doing blood tests on us but it's very rare like i've only done urine um so but i've heard of a few guys getting the blood test done so obviously they're looking I mean, they, a little bit they're gonna start pegging you because of your physique i mean you look like you look <laughs> pretty like say, you're working patrick, out patrick definitely didn't get those for me okay <laughs> Right, exactly. Uh, but that'll be a, that's a real bummer. Um, the gum. So Phil Mickelson and Tiger Woods at Augusta were chewing the gum. Everybody was speculating. I still don't think it's been confirmed. Do you think it's something, and I'm not saying illegal, but is it something more than, you know, trident? Cause it's, I, I, Raja and I talked a lot about this. And as a professional athlete, you're so fine tuned. You don't just chew gum unless you've been doing it your whole career. You don't just pick it up. Do you think there's something more there? I think there has to be just, from knowing those guys for so long and watching, like I've never seen either of them chew gum on the golf course. And to see all that at Augusta, you even saw Phil with the dropper at Augusta. Right. And I asked him, I was like, were you taking some CBD? He said, no, it was herbs to curb his appetite. And, <laughs> and he asked on. me if I wanted some. And I was like, you're, you're <laughs> out of your mind. But, um, you know, I think there's got to be something because all of a sudden out of nowhere, they start chewing this gum. On, and like you said, you're a creature of habit. I mean, if you if you never have done it in your career and they've been this successful, why start now? Right. But I don't know why. I mean, I, I bet sooner or later they'll come clean because Bubba just signed a deal with a CBD company. Yeah. It's legal. It's not yeah. that big of a deal. I could see maybe it would be a conflict for Phil because he's got some other uh, prescription drugs he has endorsements with. Yeah. And they might not love it. But uh, it's definitely something that will be out there. All right. I've had a lot of conversation on here about what I could shoot out at Beth Page. Numbers been set at 84 and a half. You made it clear that it was going to be over when we talked last night. But you play also, you play a lot of golf with Tony Romo. Mm-hmm. What would Tony Romo shoot out here from the tips, PGA Championship conditions? I would say over 84 as well, just because his biggest weakness is the driver. 
hate can tend to spray it. And if you hit it in the rough out here, you're in for a long, long day. All right. All right. So over 84, that does not bode well for me because I think he's a better <laughs> golfer than I am. All right. We'll let you run. I know you got a lot of work yeah. you got to do with CBS Sports. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. And we're going to have a little side bet on the uh, Giants-Cowboys games this oh, season, please. although I'm not loving my chances. <laughs> Cold nose, man. Thanks for joining yeah, us. We'll get Raja me. back up here next. All right, welcome back to Ken Ellen Bell, hanging here live at the PGA Championship. Jordan Spieth, who we talked earlier with Mark Immelman about his two-under for the tournament. So he's he's very much in the thick of things right now. It'd be fun to see him back in the mix. I think golf's a better spot. I do think he was asked yesterday um, about being in a slump, yep. and he corrected the reporter who asked him. He said, you mean was in a slump? There like, you go. And then it was interesting. I don't know if you were with me on the range the other day. He was walking by. He had his putter, and uh, they said, hey, the, the, this guy in the gallery said, hey, is your putter going to be hot this week? And he said, always. So yeah. it's kind of nice. Like I like I think he's it's in the powerful right though. That's good. Yeah. You know, when your mind's right, you can do some things. When your mind's not right, there's not a whole lot that can be done. So no. that's where it starts. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, we were just talking about Colt Nost about uh, you know Patrick Peterson. I was talking to you earlier before the show about what a shock it was to me. I find myself maybe getting in this position where I've been removed for so long that I'm more naive than ever. I was naive as a player, though. I didn't think many guys were doing it. But I think more players now than ever are on the cutting edge of staying ahead of the game. There's more money involved. There's better ways to mask it, which is one of the things where Patrick Peterson got a stiffer penalty because he had masking agents that right. they found. The NBA, do you think it's the same as baseball and football where it's seemingly more prevalent than it's ever been, even though they're trying their best to stop it? Yeah, I've never seen anyone in an NBA locker room. Honestly, I've never seen anyone uh, participate or, or use a, a, a PED. Having said that, I'm always under the assumption, the same way I am with, like, college sports and whether they pay guys or not, it's happening. It is. I mean, I couldn't tell you who specifically. But what would your percentage there, there are be? There always these doctors out there. What do you think a percentage is? Like, do you think it's, NBA? like, 20 or yeah. do you think it's less than that? No, I think 20 is a good number. Right. I'd say 20%, Because at baseball, Major League Baseball, 25. Major League Baseball at its peak was probably, like, 75%. Yeah. It was almost everybody. I think it's probably down to, like, 20, 25. I would say the NFL is probably 20 to 25. Like you, I never saw anybody do it. When I played minor league baseball, it was so out. Now, this was before the hearings, before this was before they tried to eradicate it from the game. Right. But they left bottles out on the sink in the clubhouse. Like, when, it was like, hey, while we're stretching like hey you got to come shoot me up after right. practice right. it was so open See, but now it's not that's the thing when you say ped everyone automatically goes to steroid being big jacked and ripped like there are a lot of things that fall under the ped umbrella it's anything that's going to give you that you know performance enhancing type of uh a uh, uh, feel and and you don't have to be yoked and big and jacked to be taking peds right mm -hmm. and so you know again there are always these doctors or these guys that are going to be ahead of the curve in terms of what they're testing for um being able to mask those things and they find they find people and they will solicit that and they're they're guys you know we were saying it the other day like i, I never used a ped but if someone had gotten to me young as a guy trying to get into the nba teetering cba not making the nba team and they said hey man i can guarantee you you know at least for two or three years that they're not going to catch you on this and it given me that competitive advantage i'm not sitting here holier than now telling you i definitely wouldn't do it you know right. what i mean oh like i that, was with that, you right so i would if i was in fact when i was when i was in baseball i was approached by by a couple of guys who were buddies of mine like hey man you want to give it a shot and i was like the only reason i said no was because i thought i had a chance at the nfl and right. i didn't want to test positive and have the, you know, my opportunity ruined but if i had chosen baseball and it was that prevalent and everybody's doing it and i'm trying to hit home runs and these other guys are just dropping bombs right. and they're getting away with it and it's making them millions and millions of dollars i would like to think yeah in a perfect world i would have said no but i you know knowing myself and no would be tempting when everybody's doing it sure. uh, to try to do the right thing uh, out there. I, Coke keeps saying Matt Geiger for some reason. 
<laughs> he keeps just saying Matt Geiger. Matt, what, Matt Geiger. Why are we saying that name, Coca? So I played with Matt Geiger. Yes. And I, Is he out watching Jordan Spieth? No. Matt Geiger's on his compound in Tampa somewhere. Yes. Um, gotcha. But, but he was busted for PD. But I didn't know that. Like, I, and I played with Matt, but that was never something that I saw in the locker room. It was never something that was that was talked about, um, you know, freely. So I, yeah, he was busted, but I, I didn't know that it was happening. That Same thing. We I had when seeing. I was on the Broncos, we had a safety who was busted, got a four game suspension, had no clue. Right. Like, and he was a good dude. Like, it's like, again, it's like Patrick Peterson. I hate it for him. I think this is going to impact his legacy. I think it's going to impact his Hall of Fame chances. I think he was a surefire Hall of Famer. I think it's going to hurt the way people look at him. And that stinks for him, but he took that risk and he did it. If I was a player, though, and a lot of guys, this, in baseball, you see it, like Justin Verlander is always really outspoken against PED, right. PED use. If I was in a sport and they were trying to police it and I was scared to do it, I would probably be the same way. Because if it's hurting, like, if there are other guys getting the advantage, I'd be kind of ticked. Like, hey, I'm not going to do it because I'm going to stay within the rules, so let's all do it. So I'd be kind of bothered by it. So I'm sure that's the approach that some guys are going to take there. Uh, The Pittsburgh Steelers, specifically Ben Roethlisberger, have some serious reputation rehab that they have to go through. Uh, Big Ben, who you... I did not love the way he came across through this whole Antonio Brown situation throughout the year, throwing his receivers under the bus. He's extending an olive branch to some of the guys yeah. because he's got a really nice lake house on Lake Oconee. I've been, I've been on a boat and been out back, and they're yeah. like, hey, that's been a pretty nice crib. Okay. He's got the skill position players, as he did back in 2015 when he had Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. He would have them. He hasn't done it in a few years. But I like that he's getting back to his roots and getting everybody on his compound saying, hey, Let's build some chemistry. Let's get out there. Let's get some work done. But even like timing and all that, as important as it is, I think it's more important for Ben to show that he's one of the guys. Absolutely. And like while I criticize him for doing some stuff that I didn't think was 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 leadership type of stuff, um, you can't really do anything about that. That's all water under the bridge. All you can do now uh, is try to change going forward. And if and if you you know if you realize that maybe some of that stuff was on you, whether you said it publicly or acknowledged it or not, this leads me to believe that you you did right. You you saw that there were some flaws in what you were doing, and so you're going to approach it differently. Um, and that can only be good for Pittsburgh. Now, whether you know whether or not it becomes a super productive thing, that's besides the point. The fact that he is doing it is what you want your leaders to do, especially the leaders of your franchise. You, you want them to be driving culture and establishing, you know, relationships and stuff like that. So good for him. Good for the Steelers. Brady brings his guys, I think, to Wyoming somewhere out mm-hmm. there. Aaron Rodgers has brought guys to California. Uh, California. Russell Wilson has brought them to L.A. It's kind of the thing to do now. I wish I had done it. I wish I had the money to do it. Where yeah. Did they put they everybody pay, up? They pay for everybody? It's a good question. I would imagine that he would. Like a guy like James Conner, who doesn't have the big contract yeah. yet, the running back, I would assume he's probably like, yeah, or – Maybe not the plane. Yeah. Maybe not the plane. Like, hey, come on down. I got you covered. Right, right, right. All your food, everything will be taken care of. Maybe bringing them a suit. Just get here. Just get here. Yeah, just get here. Mm. Take all food. All everything. Once you get there, is taken care of. But I do think that's where it'll bring the most value. And I think this is a monster year for Ben Rosper for his reputation. What's what? Sorry. What's the dynamic like if you choose not to go? Ooh. <laughs> right? Because if you don't go to like voluntary mini, like, uh, Odell Beckham didn't show up for the Browns. And that's like, a, that's kind of messed up, but you, it's excusable. It's voluntary. This is voluntary, so you don't have to go there. Clearly, it's invitation. I would like to think you'd, you'd have a pretty good, uh, excuse. Like, you'd have a pretty you'd good excuse. You'd have to have like a family, something going on, or like, if you, yeah, if you were but one I, of his receivers and you were like, nah, dog, I'm cool. Right. You better not be asking for the ball then for me <laughs> in the fourth quarter. I'll be like, well, he was at my place and right, you right, weren't. Sorry. But bro. I bet they all probably do a pretty good job of, of trying to get there, uh, when they're out there. All right. Wrapping it up here from the PGA Championship. What was your best memory for the week? Um, just being, just being that close to the action. Uh, I think the, the Eagle, 
you know, we, we, we started following Tiger yeah. at four. Uh, and as soon as we got there, we watched the tee shot and then, you know, good approach. And he, he well, I don't know, was it a 20-footer maybe, 15-footer that he rolled in? Yeah. Probably my best memory. And that was the uh, the Tiger roar. You got yeah. the little bit of the yep. crowd feel. And imagine it's only going to get that much bigger because it's still a work day. It was yep. still morning of Thursday. This afternoon will get a little bit rowdy. Saturday, Sunday will be off the charts, especially if the weather's as good as they're saying it's going right. to be now. It's going to be insane. So that's going to be uh, uh, pretty cool. That was, that was probably my same, just watching right there, watching Tiger go by, being that close to him, yep. watching them focus. It's it's funny. You get spoiled. You were saying like it's kind of like flying private. Once you fly private, you never want to go back. Once you're inside the I'm ropes, done. you never want to go back yeah. to a golf event uh, ever again. Uh, Tiger, did you think he finished? We said coming in top 10 was realistic. Do you still think he'll be there? I think he could. I yeah. think he'd be top 10. My, my, my better uh, better place for him for me would be top 20. Like, right. I think he'll be inside the top 20. I'm not super confident on the top 10. But I don't think, in retrospect, watching that round, I think that Brooks Kepkas was the outlier and Tiger was just kind of doing what everybody else did. I think he's going to be in the top 10. I think he's I think he's consistent. I don't think he's going to have that big blow-up round that everybody looks for. I think he's going to plot his way around the course. He's used to playing mm-hmm. these challenging courses. He's been here and done that. That experience, I think, is going to come into big play. But uh, we'll be back on Monday to help you do that. I'm going to play the course Monday, so we'll get back a little uh, yeah, shot-by-shot. Uh, Would anybody video in that? I'll Can be we sending little... some updates. Okay. I'll make sure I have some out there when we get sure. to that. All right, tonight we got uh, Raptors at Bucks. Bucks laying six and a half. Can Toronto fight their way back in the series? Milwaukee nine and one in the postseason, which is pretty insane when you think about it. Yeah, I think that if you're the Bucks, you come out and you cover tonight. Um, I think Toronto is going to be hung over from what happened. That was their chance. You typically you cover know, or win. Well, they would win and cover then, right? No, no, because they're. Oh yeah, 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 right. The yeah, Bucks they could will win, win and not, cover. So you're saying they're going to win by six and a half or more? I, I, I think tonight will not be nearly as close as game one was. Wasn't there a bet we talked about where the series down two zero, home team getting the opportunity backs against the wall? It's one zero. It's one zero. Oh yeah, duh. They're in Milwaukee, bro. Come on, bro. All right. You might be right on that one. I, I was always already a uh, game yeah, ahead game in that three, series. Yeah, game three. So you think they're going to smack them down in this one? I do. Like that's my gut. And last night, I think what we say, we said the Portland to cover, but not to win the game. Right. And they, you got that one. Yeah, that was lucky. Oh, now but, you're getting cocky. But yeah, I know you see a little plug. <laughs> now you're getting cocky <laughs> on the bets. I do. I think. Look, you don't typically come out and let a game one slip like that and get another chance at a good team like like Milwaukee. So that's what I'm going with. All right, sounds good. What do you think I shoot? Eighty four and a half, higher or lower? No one has taken What's me under. What's 70? Yeah. I'll so take, I get 14 I'll, bogeys. I'll take you oh, I'll take you over, under. The problem is I'm definitely going to have a double Where are you playing from? Somewhere. You playing from the, the I will not tips? play from the tip tips, but I'm going to try to play this back as far nah, as I bro, can. I'm Probably giving like you the under. Rolling with my dog. That's my dog. All right. I like That's it. That's my dog. You'll be on here. I think Tommy Tran's filling in for me on Monday. You guys will be breaking it down. Tuesday I'll be back. Okay. We'll break down the shot by shot. We'll give a whole recap. Here we go. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the PGA Championship. It's been a fun week. We'll be back. Canel and Bell on Monday. Enjoy the weekend.